Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. So it was two and a half years ago that I went on my first silent retreat. For those of you who don't know what a silent retreat is, uh, Kala is a ministry that uh, Miss Vicki Piccarelli, stand up Vicki. Everybody, whether you know her or not, you need to be cheering loudly for this woman. She is a big part of the reason of why I am even standing here. These silent retreats are a big reason of why TRP has made it as far as it has, why my marriage has made it as far as it has in these past few years, because of the time that, because of her yes that she gave to God to, like, man, I mean this with all the honor and love in my heart. Like, let's just take it back. Like, God tells somebody, tells Vicky, hey, I want you to start a ministry where people are going to be quiet for 48 hours. Everything they know and hold dear to their lives, they don't get. They're going to pay you to come so you can take stuff away from them, not allow them to talk to anybody, and you're going to take their phone. Who in their right mind is going to pay for that? I can tell you it is one of the most valuable investments I have made in my life in 38 years. It is without a doubt, hands down, one of the things I hold near and dear to me. And so what a silent retreat is, uh, Vicky and her team, they go and they, they pick these places. And you go for 48 hours. It's from Tuesday to Thursday. And they, it's Exactly what it says. It's a silent retreat. Everything is taken care of. Your food, your lodging, everything. They take your phone away. It is you and God. It is incredible. And you know what? I'm going to do this real quick just because I forgot to do it in the last gathering. So I actually want to show the pictures real quick just to give you a little visual. of. So this was, this is my, my friend Mike, Mike Russo. I came with him. I couldn't believe he came with me. This man sat right there basically for 48 hours. Every once in a while, I'd check to see if he was still there, and he'd stand up, and he'd stretch a little bit. And if the sun would move, he'd just redirect his, his umbrella. That was Mike. Next. That's Britt. So this is the beach area, the, the lake right here. And it was so windy. I mean, it really felt like you were on the ocean, like the waves were crashing. And it's just time with God. Next. That's where I spent 90% of my time there, reading the book, listening to the waves. Like, it was incredible. Next. That's how it ended up. And it's okay because it's a silent retreat. You can sleep. You can do whatever you want. I had my time with God, and then I had my meditation time. (laughs) Next. This is, so this is where we were eating. Like I said, they supply every meal for you. You literally do not have to worry about a thing. So we eat in silence and, you know, you can't eat together. You can't eat separate. Next. This was everybody that went, men and women. Like it was, it's awesome. I will say, leave that up there. My first silent retreat, I was the only guy. There was not co-ed silent retreats yet, but I wanted to go. Caleb knew I needed to go. I needed a break. So we went, and it was me and 25 other ladies 
there, and it was great. I mean, we couldn't talk to each other. We couldn't do anything. So it was, you know, I had my own room, and everything was great. But now to see all these men, that was two and a half years ago. And again, see, God's expanding my mind. I was like, this is cool, but I don't know how many guys will actually, like, shut down or how easy it will be for guys to come and look at this. This is, I mean, so many men, and have re- they received so much revelation from this. Like, it is, it's amazing. This is not a woman's thing to do. This is not, like, this is absolutely for everybody. Is that all the pictures? I think so. Okay. It probably is. Um, you can go back to clear the logo or whatever. Get in. Everybody's staring at that the whole time. So that's what, that's in a nutshell what the silent retreat is. What God told me to speak on today. And one, I'm going to give you a little nugget that he gave me from the silent retreat. But also, I'm just going to walk you through what it really means. And, and God is going to have me use uh, a scripture of the Bible to walk you through what happens at a silent retreat. And I absolutely think this is the best investment you could make in your life, in your marriage, in anything. Like getting away, being, having to be nothing to no one for 48 hours, being able to just be a son and a daughter of the king, it's, I, I can't even describe it. Like none of these words are going to do a good enough job as much as I'm going to try as for you to actually just go and participate. And that's what I'm hoping. If this is for one person, I'll, I don't care. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this for a month. It is absolutely valuable enough for me that if just one of you considers going to this or even sowing a seed to send somebody to this, that is absolutely more than worth it to me. But so one of the things while I was going, so on a silent retreat, you, I mean, it is. You have 40 hours. Once they, they pray you into silence and we worship and then they pray. And when they say amen and that first time you go, the first time I went, it was like amen. And you wait for what's next. Wait for Vicky to give you another direction or, okay, you guys can leave now. There's nothing. There's nothing. Like, it's just, you can sit in that room longer if you want to. Like, it, you can do anything you want. You, you need to be led 100% by the Holy Spirit. And so the first thing that I did, the first thing I did on this one is I, I searched the entire ground. I want to know every square inch of, of where I'm at because I want to see if there you know, special hiding places or somewhere for me. I take a hammock. I'm like, I take my hammock. Do I need to put it somewhere? Like, I'm here to rest. And so I went all the way around uh, the campground and found some different spots. And the second day, uh, the first morning that I was there, I, I went for a jog. And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna, oh, yeah, I'm going to exercise. And it was good. I intended to go four times around the, block, uh, around the park. I made it three. And then Holy Spirit was like, rest. And I was like, okay. God tells me to, and I'm going to do it. And the next morning, I intended to do the same thing. I made it a half a time around, and my mind just wouldn't stop. I couldn't, I couldn't turn my brain off. And I kept thinking over and over again, like, I, have, I go into it with all these deep questions, like, God, this is 40 hours just me and you. Like, this is the time to answer some big questions in my life. And so I go around, and finally God's like, 
just, you just got to relax. You just got to chill. So you saw there was all the beach area, which that's where I hung out 90% of the time. But about halfway through my, my run, I was kind of by the entrance, and I'm like, God's like, you know, I want you to rest here for a little bit. And it was grass, and I mean, you know, it's been hot, not a lot of rain wear, so it's not like it was just, oh, just lay in this lush field. Like, there was ants, and so I'm like, I'm not, not laying there. And God's like, this is where I want you to rest. And I turn around and look, and I'm at the highest point of the entire campground. Like, I can see it. When I turned around, I was focused on what was right in front of me, but as soon as I turned around, I could see it everything. I could see all the water. I could see the cabins. Like, I got an entire lay of the land. So I was like, all right. I went, got my chair, came back, and I set it up there. And on the way back, I'm thinking, oh, man, this is going to be like God's going to give me, like, he's going to fix something big in my life. And do you ever get the feeling like, so I asked God, all these issues, like, God, I'm dealing with this. Like, how, like, give me, give me more strength. God, give me more wisdom. God, give me, you know, it just became this give me, give me, give me session. And I'm like, God, I, I need you to give me more wisdom so I can preach better sermons. And I need you to give me uh, more self-control so I can, you know, actually work out every day, not just when I'm at a silent retreat. And, like, all these things that I'm, um, these, these things I've asked for, and, and there was, you know, much deeper you know, things that I'm like, God, like, I need you to fix this in my life because some of these things I've been dealing with for years. Some of these things I'm like, God, like, what's going on? I kept asking him. And when God speaks to me, especially in my quiet time, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm not going to ask everybody, but, you know, what does God sound like in your head? Because in my head, it is straight up Mufasa. Like, it is, like James Earl Jones is in my head when I am, when God talks to me, it's just this smooth, deep, like, son, what are you doing, you idiot? And I'm like, huh. It's usually Mufasa. Sometimes it's the James Earl Jones from Sandlot. I don't know why. Those are always the two that I go to. Those are always the two that I go to. But I'm asking him all these questions, and he was like, why would I give you something you already have? It's like, you're asking me for all these things that you already have. And I'm like, if I have these things, why am I still broke? If I have all these things, why do I, am I still hurting? Why am I still struggling with these things? And he brought me back to Romans 8. And we're going to be uh, 16 and 17. It says, for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures, for indeed we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. When I finally went back to read that, that last verse, that last sentence always gets me. We will be co-glorified, provided that we accept the sufferings as our own. I'm like, I don't know that I want that part. 
I like the inheritance. I like the being one with him. But the sufferings, not so sure. And then God, just because of the way my heart, he was like, you know, just keep reading. And in 18, it says, I am convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled within us. It doesn't matter. No matter what amount you're going to go through, no matter what you go through to be unified with Christ is nothing compared to what's on the other side. Absolutely nothing. It is, it is just a speck of what you're going to go through to what is going to be unveiled to you. So going back, you know, God's telling me I'm, I'm his child. I have his inheritance. All these, okay, okay, God, I have this. So what do I do with this then? And he said, he gave me three things. He said, the work of God is to believe, but the work of a son and a daughter is to be teachable, be a good steward, and be generous. He said, I've already given, you have the inheritance. The, inher- the inheritance is yours. He's like, but I'm going to teach you how to use it. Because there's so many of us that, so many people, even in this world, like an inheritance is meant to be left from generation to generation. When a prince is growing up in a king's house, like they are from birth, from birth, they are trained on how to use and pass on their inheritance. They are trained to think like a king. They are trained to use what they have, not just for themselves, but for the next generation and the generation after that. He says, you have to be teachable. And he said, and then I will show you how to steward it. I'm going to show you how to steward your inheritance. So many of us, we get, we get things, you know, it's, it's the classic lotto scenario. Like all of a sudden somebody gets this blessing from God and millions of dollars instantly into their bank account. They're like, this is all that I needed to fix all my problems. And it ends up being the, the very, the biggest problem of their life. The money, the inheritance actually ruins what it was supposed to fix. And it's sad to say, I actually, I do think that there's a lot of Christians, a lot of people that God's inheritance, they're not actually ready for it. And if you had it, it would, it would hurt you much more than it would help you. So when you say, when you, you, can, you can rightfully say, yes, I have the inheritance of God and I have Everything that the kingdom that Christ had, I have. But at the same time, God said, I'll never put more on you than you can handle because a good father would never put more pressure. A good father would never give his kids access to something that would actually hurt him. It would be so convenient for me if I could give my 11-year-old daughter the keys to my car so she could drive herself to school and back every day. Half of the arguments that me and Gigi have at 2.30 every day is, who's going to pick up the kids? Well, I took them this morning, so then you know the way. (laughs) It would be so convenient if that happened, but it would, she would destroy my car. She would likely hurt other people. The likelihood of her hurting herself and her sister, who should be taken to school, is extremely high. Now, when she is of age, my car is her car. Everything that is mine is theirs. 
but I will never put more responsibility or give them the access that they are not ready for to steward. And then the final thing is be generous. Help me to share it. God wants, wants you to be a generous, like inheritance is for generation. That's generational wealth. Not just wealth of money. We're talking about of spiritual things, of the things that because we've accepted his sufferings as our own, that the glory that is coming is going to be so unmeasurable. But if we are not staying teachable by the Holy Spirit and by the ones that the Holy Spirit has brought into our lives to teach us, if we have not learned how to steward the gifts that he has given us, then you're not you're not going to have anything left to share. You're not going to have anything left to be generous with. And the little bit that you have will end up draining you because you're only going to give what you have in your own hand. Because our nature is to be generous. Our nature is to be kind. Our nature is to give like Jesus gave to us. We're made in his image. But if you're not stewarding it well and he's not giving you access, you're just going to give what you have, and then you're going to be left with nothing. That's not an inheritance. That's not a true child of God. You're not operating as a true child of God. So be teachable, be a good steward, be generous. That, to me, that is how God showed me it's to stop doing this rat race, to stop doing these things over and over again every year, knowing the truth of the inheritance that I have, that no, I get to now know how to function in it. So I'm going to, y'all, actually, I'm just going to tell you right now, we're going a little over. We're going a little late because this next part is really good. So I asked God, how do I articulate to you guys the experience of a silent retreat? And he gave me Psalms 23. It's one of my favorite Psalms. I love it. And I'm like, how does this apply to my silent retreat? And as I started reading through it, I was like, oh, my gosh, like this is, this is a silent retreat. So I'll read through it one time real quick. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. You prepare a feast in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I'm just going to walk you through this step by step. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. The silent retreat literally strips away everything that you know of your daily life as far as friends, family, what you're going to eat, responsibilities, your phone, social media, TV. You go into this sacrificing all of that. You're telling God that for the next 48 hours, it's just you and him. You really find out, is he all that you need? He's your shepherd. You know that. But you really find out, what else do I need? I need God and what? The answer is nothing. And when you get to that place, when it is just, you know what? All I need is him. All I need is his voice. I'm telling you, even the comfort of my own voice, I, I try to do it. 
I was a little lax this time, but I try to do it. I don't even talk to myself. Like, I pray in my head. Like, everything I do, like, I, I just want to hear the voice of God. So even the comfort of my own voice, so I'm like, do I need that or do I just need God? Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He is all that you need. The silent retreat helps facilitate that. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. These locations, they are handpicked by Vicky and her team. They are prayed over. Like, these places are primed and ready to go. I don't care what they do during the week. I don't care what this place was set up for, any of that. When we get there, it has been saturated. It has been prayed over. Uh, the intercessors, they have prayed over your rooms by name. Like, you, you are stepping into heaven when you step into this silence. And it, when he, it's not, it's not about doing nothing. The silent retreat is not an escape to nothing. It's about, it's about an intentional time with God. It's about intentionally leaning on him and knowing that, all right, for these next 48 hours, all I need is you. No matter what I come against in these 48 hours, all I need is you. And it really is. It says, you know, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides, beside peaceful streams. I can tell you the walks that I've taken on the silent retreat, the times by the water, like, I, I can't explain it. It, it, is, it is such an intimate time with the Father, getting lost in the woods with God, just falling asleep outside in a hammock, and waking up to his thoughts. Like it, when, when do you do that? You get pieces of that here, granted. But when, when, when are you going to have the opportunity to take 48 hours? You have no responsibilities, have no nothing to be able to just sit and be with God however he leads you. It says, he renews my strength. He guides me along the right path of bringing honor to his name. Every silent retreat that I've been, the two that I've been on, I come out stronger, more motivated, and with deeper revelation of who my father is, of who I am to him, who I am supposed to be to everybody else around me. Like, it is without fail. No matter what fears I go into this with, the first time I was like, I can't be away from my family for that long. I can't be away from Gigi and the girls for 48 hours with no phone. What if something happens? What if my house catches on fire? What if somebody kidnaps one of my kids? Like, what if something happens? Gigi, I have no way. First of all, there is emergency contacts. They can get a hold of you. But the fears that we have that God cannot take care of your life around you without you for 48 hours, who's really in control? Who's really, who's really in control of your life? You or the creator of the universe? I choose to give him control. Uh, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect and comfort me. Some of the darkest valleys you will experience are the ones in your mind. So, like, a lot of times I think about, I thought about this scripture of things that have happened to me or even think, things that I have caused to happen in my life that have been dark times. I tell you, in the silent retreat, you realize that the enemy, he uses your thoughts. He tries to get in your head. He puts you, he can put you in some dark places, and we can tune it out here. 
we can, you know, stuff is going rough, whatever, I can turn to my wife for encouragement. I can call any one of my friends. I can call Caleb. I can, I can seek out comfort. If I want to numb it, I can, run, I can turn on the TV. I can go on to Facebook and look at everybody else's problems. I can do whatever to try and get through it. And then I realize sometimes, like, man, sometimes the one thing I don't do that I should have done first is actually go to God. Putting yourself in a position where you have to for 48 hours, it's amazing to see what God does with that quiet time. When you get into, you know, that deep place of thought with him and when the enemy tries to pervert that and then you ain't got nothing else to turn to except for God. You wake up in the middle of the night and you don't have a TV to turn on. You don't got a a spouse or a friend to call. But you got the one who has never turned his back on you. You got the one who has never left you, even when, when you've turned to something else before him. I tell you, it is set up and it is so ready for these God encounters to experience them in a way that, honestly, it just seems impossible to do it here with so much distraction around you. Because, that's real, you, you could do a silent retreat at your house. You, you, I mean, you could, you, could, you could take, get rid of your family somehow for 24 hours, like have them go somewhere, go to a hotel, go to a hotel, and you're like, all right, I'll put some food in the refrigerator, I'll do whatever. But no matter what, like, there's, there's still, you're still here. You're still attached. And even in your own home, like, like me, if I try to be quiet for a little bit, I start seeing everything. Like and pinholes, nails that I need to patch up, or oh man, that carpet should be clean, or does the dog need to go out right now, or does you know somebody might be home, or then all of a sudden people are cutting the grass next door. Like there's just always something, but when we're intentional, when we've sown a seed, when we've put a cost to say, God, I will sacrifice not just my time but my finances and everything to be just with you. I, I promise you, there, there there's. My words are falling short of how amazing it is. You have to go and experience this. Verse 6 says, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. That's the house, the house where we rely completely on him before anything else. That's the goal. The goal coming out of the silent retreat is we don't live in that. We don't live in silence. I need to talk to people, and, you know, my phone does come in handy, and I like to relax, you know, with my wife. I'm watching TV sometimes. Like, that's, this is normal life, but I can tell you that every time I've gone, like, I've come out with just a little bit more perspective of what I don't need anymore, with a little bit more perspective of how much I'm actually on my phone, and I don't need to be that, and I need to give that time to my family, or I need to give that time to God, or how much I actually can read every single day. I actually do have that time, but I need to make that time. Every time I come out of a silent retreat, I have such a clear perspective of who God is and who I am with him, who I am through him. God has given us all the access. And one, he wants to show you how to use it. And he's given you this incredible opportunity through Vicky's yes, through the yes of Kalah, the mission. And there's so many other 
things that they do as well. There's other retreats they are going on. I encourage you guys, please go onto their website. Can we get uh, the graphic with the Kala website? It's just kalaculture.com. Please look that up. They have events going on all the time. Like, plan for it. Don't just stumble into this. Plan for it. Plan to take that time away with God. Plan to make that sacrifice, to make that uh, commitment. Say, you know what? 48 hours, Papa. How much of my time have I given to so many other things? I'm going to give this to you. And something that God, that God showed me, I was actually talking to Vicky in between the gatherings. See, one of the things that's hard for, for people, and, and I think just for our generation right now, is Jesus gave us the model when he washed the disciples' feet. Before he went to the cross, before, he, before we had the Holy Spirit, before any of that, he got low and he washed the disciples' feet. He showed, he's like, let me serve you. Let me let me get low and show you what being a servant looks like. Now, yes, my life is like I serve the king. I serve the one who has done more for me than anybody. But there is times when we need to humble ourselves and we need to get past our pride and let God serve us. We need to have the humility and the vulnerability to say, a good father, it is my joy, my absolute pleasure to serve my daughters, to give them everything that they need. And there is a time and there is times where they, they serve me, they help me. But we have to have that understanding between each other. There are certain times where I don't need them to do anything for me. I need to be there for them. And I feel like we've lost that tenderness. We've lost that understanding that God loves us so much. He wants to wash our feet. He washed the disciples' feet. He washed Judas's feet. Like he washed it to show them. He's like, this is my example. This is how it's going to be. Don't forget the times when I want to serve you and you get to just turn it off for a little bit. And that's what these silent retreats are. That's what this come away with me is. You get to turn it off and just be a son, just be a daughter. Say, what now, Papa? What now? I start both of these in my journal. Everything is, why am I here, Papa? And he tells me every time. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.